Welcome to Frankly Speaking About Family Medicine, a CME podcast series where each week we translate today's late-breaking clinical research and news into tomorrow's practice. I'm Frank Domino, professor in the Department of Family Medicine and Community Health at the University of Massachusetts Medical School and editor-in-chief of the 5-Minute Clinical Consult series. Be sure to visit primed.com podcast after the discussion for more information about today's article and to claim CME-CE credit. Tanya, a 48-year-old woman, comes in to discuss fatigue and difficulty losing weight. I am just so frustrated, she says. She tells you that a couple of years ago she was diagnosed with early hypothyroidism and was started on thyroid medicine. She shows you her old bottle of levothyroxine 50 micrograms once a day. She said she felt great when she was on it, but eventually she didn't need it anymore. She's uncertain about what condition she had or if it's returned. Can you help her? Hi, this is Frank Domino, and joining me today is Susan Feeney, Director of the Nurse Practitioner Tract at the University of Massachusetts Medical School's Graduate School of Nursing. Good morning, Susan. Good morning, Frank. Boy, this is this is a big topic, and it's very common. Yep. Uh, so uh, let's jump in. What's the evidence tell us about the prevalence of thyroid disorders and prescriptions for levothyroxine in the U.S.? Well, it's pretty shocking. So this, the rate of overt hypothyroidism hasn't changed in years. It's pretty stable, according to the American Academy of Clinical Endocrinology. And it's anywhere between 0.2 to 2% of the population. But when you look at prescriptions, new prescriptions for levothyroxine, 7% of the U.S. population has a prescription. So what, what does that mean? It means that people who don't fit the criteria for overt hypothyroidism are getting the medication. So if you, um, there was a recent study that looked at, just looked at prescription data and, and when possible, associated lab values with that, okay? And what they found was um, for, out of this group of people, People who, who were getting this, the levothyroxine prescriptions, this was this, they looked at people with insurance. Um, overt hypothyroidism represented about 8.4%, but subclinical hypothyroidism, 61% of, of those prescriptions fell into that category. And shockingly, a little bit more than 30% were people who had normal thyroid function. All right, so you raise a really good question. What is subclinical hypothyroidism? <laughs> Subclinical hypothyroidism is basically it's a lab finding, right? It's people who have a, a sl an elevated TSH, and it can be mild, moderate, or, or severely elevated. Severely would be above 10, um, a TSH above 10. So anyway, someone who has an elevated TSH, but when you check their free T4, it's normal. So um, these are people that the thinking is that they have to produce their pituitary has produced all of this TSH to get this normal amount. And so is, it's a subclinical hypothyroid condition. They may or may not have symptoms associated with this, but that is, that is the diagnosis. Okay. Um, what do we do with that? Well, there's a lot of people that fall into this category. And um, if you go to the guidelines from the American Academy of Clinical Endocrinology and the American Thyroid Association, they, um, 
they say that for folks who fall into this category, that treatment may or may not be necessary, it's individual, but certainly the people who should be treated are people who are women who are trying to get pregnant or women who are pregnant. Otherwise, treatment really should, um, they say, be individualized. So they don't recommend generally treating people in this category unless they have fallen to those high-risk areas, like I said, who are pregnant or want to become pregnant. All right, just to clarify, if you have a patient with a mildly elevated TSH, say under between 4.5 and 10, yeah. but a normal T4, right. then unless they're pregnant or trying to get pregnant, no medication is indicated. Is that right? They're saying, right, they're saying that they hedge their bets in the guidelines saying that the, the evidence doesn't show that treating these folks changes those numbers very much and that, um, that it should be individualized, but no, that treatment should not be automatic. And it should not be based on the presence of an elevated TSH only. And that if they have a normal T free T4, then they have enough levo that's in their body that's, that's taking care of what they need. All right, um, great. They also recommend um, that you might want to check an um, antibody because the number one reason people in this country have overt hypothyroidism is due to um, autoimmune thyroiditis. So they recommend checking that. And the sort of the underlying information here is, is that people who have a positive antibody are more likely, not, not definite, but more likely to develop a, sub, uh, a overt hypothyroidism versus someone who doesn't have it. And so if someone doesn't have an antibody, then this is someone you probably should watch and not treat for sure. Okay. So... I, I, I like that approach. Check a TSH and a free T4. Right. If the TSH is elevated and the T4 is normal, follow them. Get a thyroid antibody to see if they're at increased risk. Maybe I'd repeat that TSH and T4 every every uh, three to six months to see if they progress, but maybe not. Um, what do we do next? Well, and the thing, just another point, too, that when you really dive into the data here, the... Um, People's TSH and T4 levels are not, you know, they're, they're, they will fluctuate even during the day. So, you know, it's repeating this is not a bad idea. And you can have, these are snapshots in time. And to put someone on a medication uh, that most likely won't change their numbers and possibly won't have any impact on symptoms is really something we need to be careful about. What about um, for seniors? Well, as, as people age, as our met metabolism decreases, our, the, even someone who has longstanding overt uh, hypothyroidism are going to need a decrease in their, in their levothyroxine. And um, that's something we need to be aware of. And you've probably seen this in practice that, you know, they, they need less and less and less. And so to start someone who's older um, on, on a medication due to a subclinical hypothyroid condition, um, I think would be um, not wise based to, on the side effects of the medication. The other thing too is I just read, and this may be more information coming out, is there may be more central um, hypothyroidism that you see as people age. So that, you know, it may be a little more complicated than just simply an autoimmune condition. I think this is a really important topic. I've had a few patients um, that I've seen come in on 50 micrograms of Levo, and I've gradually decreased them over, right. the f over months and taken them off. 
the reason I got motivated to do this was I've had a patient go on to develop atrial fibrillation, and mm -hmm. the cardiologist said, "Well, they're inappropriately on thyroid," and right. I was shocked that I did that and didn't. I had never started the patient on it, but I just continued them on it forever. Correct. And looking at the literature, it looks like an appropriate thyroid replacement has other metabolic effects, not the least of which is uh, increasing the risk for osteoporosis. So right. we, we probably need to be much better at this than we, than we currently are. And certainly what the other part is starting someone who has, as they call euthyroid or normal thyroid function, because they have symptoms that are associated with hypothyroidism. Think about the symptoms of hypothyroidism. That is associated with many, many, many conditions. And so a thorough investigation of what's causing that, uh, and just, you know, we need to be really, really careful about having people who have normal thyroid function and giving this as a treatment. It is not indicated in any, any uh, condition that I, that I can think of. And you think about the implications. You're yes. absolutely right. The implications of missing a diagnosis of depression, right. or maybe they have just real constipation or right. urinary incontinence or all those other things that go on uh, in people's lives. And we, we, we we're treating one thing when we're actually missing, maybe causing harm and right. missing the boat on the other. And also, just as an aside, folks who are on medication, as you said, trying to get somebody off, I've had patients who've doubled their dose because they want to lose weight, you know, um, is, uh, it, it is really spending the time with your patients who are on this, that this is, as you said, has cardiovascular impl implications for putting you at risk for AFib, for triglyceride um, abnormalities, and a, a whole bunch of other things that um, this is not a, a benign treatment, and it should be, we should really be following the guidelines as best we can and understanding um, when someone should be appropriately on this. And as you said, when they can be weaned off. Susan, you're, you're absolutely right. I have, I have uh, seen the literature and there's great data that shows taking thyroid replacement doesn't help people lose weight or have no. more energy. No. Well, thank you so, so much. This really important topic. And, and I, I hope uh, we all start reflecting on, on our best practices. Thanks again. My pleasure. Thank you. Practice pointer. With a mildly elevated TSH and normal T4 function, consider the diagnosis of subclinical hypothyroidism and follow that TSH over time, but probably do not prescribe medication. Join us next time when we talk about the neurocognitive effects of celiac disease and non-celiac gluten sensitivity. Thank you for listening to Frankly Speaking About Family Medicine, brought to you by PrimeMed. To claim credit and receive additional information about the article referenced in today's episode, visit primemed.com slash podcast and see you next week.